Welcome to the Back Pocket, your wildly average podcast. Hello, marketing interns. Today is October 16th, and the boys from the Back Pocket are back. Declan Brown, how's it going? Oh, we are excellent. It is a great Monday morning. Um, rise and shine, everyone. It's championship time. Um, let's get after it today. Um, so, as always, let's go ahead and start with our average quality. Um, so, this is just something we've kind of noticed, and it's, uh, you know, something that does, it flies under the radar. It is a big deal at certain times and not a big deal at other times, which means it's average. Um, so, what it is, is uh, how people budget their life around food. So, not only food specifically, but just the feeling of being hungry or needing to satisfy yourself. Yes, and this budgeting goes from... Uh uh, a cost stance, standpoint and also a time standpoint. Absolutely. We just completely organize our day around food. Um, and I first came to know this, or not first came to know this, but really brought my eyes to light, if that's a, the correct word. Brought, it, it was made known to you. It was made known when Jackson Hall and I were talking um, at T's because we had a 10-minute break in between two classes and we walked straight to the T's cafeteria to grab a to-go burrito and and then there was like four other people that we knew there grabbing a to go to burrito, and the, the six of us housed our burritos and then sprinted back to class, and it was just like all right, we literally like t- all we think about is food, and the next time we're gonna eat food. Yeah, and this this happened to me, um, not necessarily your situation, but I realized this same thing when, uh, well, so just let everyone know we're going to Mexico. Uh, so last year we went to Aruba. And that was a blast. Had to get out of the country. And so now we're doing it again. We're going to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, all-inclusive. Got to do all-inclusive. Um, but I realized uh, this trip's kind of expensive. And what I spend all my food or what I spend all my money on is food. So how do I save money and go to Mexico? Uh, yeah, I just eat less. So now I can't spend as much money on food. And uh, I got to take a huge step back. But that's when I realized. I was like, wow, I budget. I work to eat. And I spend my money all on food and basically nothing else. And all I really care about is the next time that I eat. Because in reality, um, I can't function if I'm hungry. Correct. I'm, I'm hangry. Yeah, hangry. Uh, you can't really think clearly. No. Um, yeah, just all kinds of bad bad uh, vibes if you're, if you're not eating, you yes. know. Uh, I just don't understand, you know, some people who, uh, you know, don't eat as much. Oh, actually, no. Here's what I, that's what I don't get. But, you know, as being football guys and burning, like, 2,000 calories a day and not having to worry about what you eat and then going from that to basically not or a full-time job like at behind a desk and not moving and just not burning 2,000 calories every day it's going to be weird to like not eat I'll have to eat probably half as much is what I'm thinking yeah I just don't know how my metabolism is going to hold up because so far in my life it's been near impossible to put on weight yeah because football and other sports like just always go 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 yeah and I've been able to eat whatever I want and let's also remember that our T-levels will probably go down. Ooh. <laughs> We've talked about T-levels in the past yes. with uh, John Jensfold, uh, for all you guys that know. But, yeah, a little less T-levels, probably, like you said, a little less metabolism. Uh, we don't exactly know how the body works, but we know that uh, we'd probably get fat if we ate the same amount that we – if we ate the same amount later as we did well, – I don't know. How would it be? If we ate the same amount as we do now later after we finish football and after we graduate, we're screwed, right? I think so too, and you know it doesn't help the cause is as podcasters, we strictly can't move around, 
we're, we're very restricted from that because of the audio. If we move around, it's going to pick up steps or it's going to pick up squeaks. I mean, it already picks up this couch. Yeah. Squeaking left it's, and right. Don't even call it a couch. Oh, it's yeah. futon. Futon. And it's barely, it's loosely put together. Yeah. It's it's trash, but it's it gets the job done. Absolutely. Um, but it's like we are going to eat the same amount and we're not going to be moving. So as podcasters, I guarantee you we will be stacking on weight. Yeah. I mean, but is there anything wrong with a nice little manly fupa? I'm all for it. Yeah, I think I'm all for it as well. Maybe not in Mexico, uh, so we might have to hold off on okay. that. But I might go with the fupa in Mexico. In Mexico? Yeah. Ooh, that's Because people look. are all going to try and go with the washboard look. Why be the washboard? Why be the washboard guy? Why, how, are, how are you supposed to be identified as a podcaster if you don't have your podcaster fupa? Yeah. Simple as that. Like you said, everyone's going to be losing weight, getting all tan, trying to work out a ton. You know, get all motivated for the trip, and you know, what if we just lived our lives and had a blast, and then also went to Mexico, still had a good time. Absolutely, yeah. Something, to, something to think about there. Um, so that's our average quality. You know, just picking up on how we organize a day, very averagely around food. Yeah, it's like that song: wake up, eat, go to class, eat, go to football, eat, eat, sleep, rave, repeat, eat, sleep, rave, repeat. Simple as that. All day. I was singing that other song, The Wake Up, Drank, oh, Pass Out, Drank. By Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, but now we're thinking about Eat, Sleep, Is River. It butterfly? Calvin Harris? Who knows? Anyways, moving on. Trapping um, the puck. Yeah, trapping the puck, as always. So, uh, today, like Andrew said earlier, today is uh, October 16th, and uh, when I think of October and I think of fall, I also think Halloween. Um, so, here's a big issue. Uh, no one thinks about what their Halloween costume is. Until like maybe the th- three days before, and they have and they're forced to uh, you know put on some sort of Halloween costume. Yes. Uh, let's go ahead and make mark that as uh, super unthoughtful. Um, I absolutely despise um, those people who you know are last minute. I am a last minute person in nature, but I like to be creative and I like to uh, you know apply my creative processes. Okay. Um, prior to doing something. Well, this is gonna this segment speaks to me because okay. I will probably be getting my costume. The day of or the night of. Okay. Something along those lines. Yeah, I would say um, I'm more of like a week before. Okay. Um, just, I, I think Halloween is really the only, uh, uh, like, holiday that I take semi-seriously. Um, About Christmas. Well, I take that seriously, but, like, I don't, like, dress up for Christmas, you know, besides, like, suit and tie, you know, and, that, and that's, or your, your Christmas sweater. That's a, that's a no-brainer, that's right? That's a no-brainer. You get that. That's a that's a yearly thing that you just, you already have a Christmas sweater. You don't need to go mm-hmm. and buy a new one, right? Yes. Um, so, I mean, but Halloween, you can't change it up every year. You can't just be um, grapes every year. You can't just be uh, um, the guy from, uh, who'd you dress up as last year? Uh, the dude, I, the dude. Yeah, you the can't big be Lebowski. the dude everywhere. The big Lebowski. Uh, you can't be uh, Cheech and Chong. Can't be him every year. No. Um, so you always got. It's always a. It's a yearly creative thing. You gotta. You gotta keep going and you know understand that uh, you gotta be something different every year. So the guys from the back pocket are here and to help you out with this creative process. Yeah. So we're gonna go ahead and start the conversation. Uh, fifteen days before uh, actual Halloween. Uh, it's probably gonna be less than fifteen days because Halloween this year is uh, on a Tuesday. Right, so you celebrate earlier on like the Saturday, or the yeah, Friday, Saturday, Saturday. Saturday. And that's the cool thing about college is it's kind of, Halloween is like a week. It's not even like it's one so day. long. That's why you need like way too many costumes. Yeah, that's it's another like, problem. I'm gonna be the same person every time. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm actually cool with being the same person every time. Yeah, you gotta show off your costume. Right, yeah. I'm not gonna try and be like four different costumes that are all super bad. You want to have like be one, one average one. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, so we got to give you guys a few ideas um, that we would like to see when we. 
when we uh, have our Halloween party, mm-hmm. the Bangers Ball, obviously, everyone's invited. Um, <clears throat> but we gotta we we want to see certain costumes. Um, some of the things that uh, we want to see when people show up. So uh, I, for me, uh, I definitely want to see someone dress up as Moana. Okay, um, that's an absolute must, um, just because uh, that's a great movie and Moana was a beast. Um, Very true. Yeah, simple as that. Okay, I like where your head's at. Um, you know, maybe another suggestion would be the clown, a clown costume because Ooh, from it, from it, that's a big thing right now. Yeah, people are all they're scared of clowns and. Uh, they're popular right now. They're back. Clowns are back. Clowns are back. Uh, That's a great point. So, utilize this opportunity, and you can be your friendly clown, like, "Hey guys, let's blow some balloons up and uh, let's oh, laugh." Hey, how's it going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of clown. Or Not you the can scary clown. Or you can be the scary clown with like, okay. uh, I don't know if you can bring a chainsaw into a, a party, but if you okay. want to make a fake one, <clears throat> sure. Um, <clears throat> how about uh? Oh God. Uh, well, I had another good one. Um, someone has to dress up as uh, Matthew McConaughey in like any movie. So okay. Just I just want to see a Matthew McConaughey. I might I might go with like Nicolas Cage. Okay. And just be like, I am Nicolas Cage, and I'm here to save the world. I make everything more dramatic with every tone in my voice, and just like be a national treasure and get the Declaration of Independence and save the U.S. from. Dude, that would be huge in yeah. a time of in a time of need. Yes, let me tell you. Um, that was a really good Nicolas Cage impression. You pulled that out of nowhere. <laughs> so fun fact about Andrew, uh, can do a Nicolas Cage impression. Big, Nic- big Nicolas Cage guy. Um, another good one. Uh, this one, this one's going to be kind of mine. So, mm-hmm. uh, no one can take this, but I just want to tell maybe someone else who's not going to come to this party. Um, Baby Driver. Anyone see that movie? I have not yet. Oh, Baby Driver is a great movie. And then the Baby Driver, the actual kid who drives the car around. Mm-hmm. He's got, like, headphones in with glasses on and, like, a hoodie. It just looks like super plain Jane. But, like, if you dressed up and, like, showed up with headphones in, people would be like, oh, dude, your baby driver's kick-ass movie. Be like, oh, yeah, bro. So Easy. Easy. That's yeah, why I'm People going would be noticing it. Yeah. A select um, group. Uh, here's another good one. Uh, just be a really, like, diehard Cubs fan, even probably when they lose. Um, why not, why That's not what just, Lorch was last year. Yeah, Lorch was a diehard Cubs fan. And no one liked him. Yeah. Actually, there was a lot uh, of people that just joined. And they were like, hey, nice. I, I do like the kids who like really just think out of the box and like really come come to come here with like a huge cool costume. Yeah, there are usually creative ones. I'm very plain and I pick usually the movie easiest ones, movie characters, easy yeah. ones. Yeah, can someone dress up as stormtroopers this year? Like I want, I like groups of people with costumes. Okay, I like people who all show up as like the same thing. Yeah, like the ones I don't like though are like the three blind mice. Like I've had enough of four years of three blind mice. I'm not. I'm. I don't want. Chick showing up in their three blind mice costume. That one just pisses me off because it's so original and easy, and I just don't like it. Okay. Maybe uh, this year instead of three blind mice, maybe we go with the three musketeers. People forget the three musketeers were actually four people. So, yeah, something to think about. Learn something new every day. Yeah. It's not even the what you learn segment yet either. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. So let's hit them home with probably our best suggestion of the day. Uh-huh. Um, why not be the marketing interns that we know you guys are? And dress up as the guys from the back pocket. Yeah, and you know it's a it's a humble brag to mm-hmm. say uh, you know people know who we are. Yep. Um, I think people would have a good laugh if you showed up uh, with your podcaster fupa and you dressed up like the two dingoes talking to you. Right so now. what would you if if someone dressed up as you and they showed up at the bar and they didn't know they were dressing up as you, what would they look like? Um, well, they probably would have dumpy pants. <laughs> okay. Um, some sort of mismatched uh, pant shirt combination. Yep. Um, their mouth would be open like the entire time. Okay. Uh, that's me, by the way. Yep. And uh, 
I don't know, they'd probably wear a hat and then uh, just be a total goofball the whole night. Yeah. I would definitely wear, like, try and, someone's got to, like, write, like, the back pocket on your shirt, shirt or something mm-hmm. so they know, like, oh, you're not just dressing up like a goofball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Right on. What about you? What do you, what do you think they're going with? Uh, they probably might shave their head a little bit, receding hairline. Oh, receding hairline. Good call. Um, if they didn't have a beard, they draw they draw a beard on. See, that's good. See, I don't mm-hmm. have I don't have any facial hair, so okay. there's nothing like to point me out like that. You might be able to put glasses on because I don't wear, always wear glasses, but you could wear glasses. True. Um, and then attire wise, uh, I usually wear jeans and a t shirt. Oh, how about this? Um, why don't they? Someone just uh, you know make a two-for-one costume where they just put themselves in a back pocket and they just walked around together. That's actually kind of sick. That's actually like a good idea. Yeah. So someone, someone should do that. Uh, like we said, we're here copyright for Copyright infringements are not implicated. Yeah, here. Please copyright. Yeah, please copyright us. Yes. <laughs> um, so that concludes our uh, suggestions. I hope you can utilize some of them because I feel like we just helped you guys out tenfold. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, should we should we kick it to it? I think it's time for the interview. I think it. I think it. Uh, I think we've done our work. Yes, our work is done here. Should we lead them in with a little background of Father Dees? Uh, yeah, we probably should tell them how that all came to be. Yeah. Um, so Father Dees, <clears throat> he's the old president. He they call him the President Emeritus. We still don't, we can't. He's the old president of St. Thomas. For yeah. clarification, yeah, we don't know what Emeritus means, but all it really translates to is old president. So mm-hmm. the uh, President Emeritus, uh, the ex president of St. Thomas, uh, Father Dees. Absolutely unbelievable guy. So, um, to set the scene for you, um, we after we interviewed President Sullivan, they were like, "Oh, who else are you guys trying to get on the show?" Blah blah blah. And we had a little talk, and I was, and I had remembered in the back of my head, I was like, ah, "I was trying trying to get Father Deeson." So I mentioned his name, and uh, Karen, um, Julie Sullivan's uh, secretary, was very nice to set us up with the other sec- uh, Father Deeson's secretary, Katrina. Shout out Katrina, thank you. Um, and so we got a nice little interview with her. Um, what's really cool is uh, Father Deese's office is like the penthouse suite of the of the uh, library. Yeah, it's which a really is cool view. He kind of overlooks the whole campus. Yeah, I wish we like kind of took a picture with him and took a picture of what his view is. But let's just uh, everyone close their eyes. Are you right? okay? Eyes closed. So just imagine walking in. It's uh, the Ritz Carlton. Um, the the floor is red with a uh, little gold lace on the ground. Um, you got this huge desk, um, very welcoming, got couches, uh, very nice, uh, I would say, Victorian-area couches. Uh, you got two offices. One to your right is the uh, President Emeritus. It's got this really huge sign that says, hard to miss. Mm-hmm. And you walk in, and then you take a left, and it's this huge window. So if you're looking at the library, and you got the huge bell tower, it's the window directly to the right of it. And... Um, so then you, you look out, and it's just beautiful. you got the whole campus. you it's got a perfect fall day. It's a perfect fall day. There's a little bit of pink, a little bit of yellow, a little bit of orange in the, in the leaves. Um, you got got the whole view of uh, the main campus of St. Thomas. you got the little purple fountain. you got Anderson Student Center. you got the Rec Center. you got the football field. And you got the boys from the back pocket in your ear. Enjoy. Today, let's welcome Father Deese. He is our first priest of the show, and he is the former president of the University of St. Thomas. Father Deese, thank you for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, so, you know, Andrew just mentioned uh, you're the first priest on our show. Um, so we just wanted to congratulate you um, for being the first priest. 
on the back pocket. So that's a it's a big <laughs> it's a big honor. Yeah, it is uh, a big honor. Yeah, and so let's let's get after it. Um, so with our first question, we asked this uh, to all uh, all of our other guests, and now uh, we also asking a priest, um, what is your average quality? Just a quick question for you: Have you had any ministers or rabbis or imams? Mm. Um, we have not. No. no. So I am of. the first of the. Oh, okay. That <laughs> that is an honor. Yes. <laughs> oh, I better uh, be my best behavior <laughs> since I'm representing all religious faiths at this point in your history. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> don't feel the pressure quite yet. <laughs> so the question is, uh, what am I average in? Yeah. What would you consider yourself? Uh, yeah, as a as an average quality. Uh, uh, well, I have a lot of them, but the one probably that uh, I would, if I could, do something about, but I can't, is music. Okay. I've always wanted to be able to play a musical instrument well. Um, I'd love to be able to play keyboard. Um, I'd love to be able to. I just uh, I envy people for whom uh, musical talent is just a, a God-given natural mm-hmm. gift. I have a younger brother who uh, could play the guitar so much more competently than when I would kind of strum it. <laughs> uh, he could do all the finger work and went into all the unusual keys and and he had no problem finding all kinds of harmonies if our family was kind of coming together and singing. And so, um, but it, it uh, is a gift that, I, unfortunately, I was not given. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can carry a tune. Um, normally, if I'm singing in the shower or something, the dogs don't start howling. But uh, that is something I would really like, especially in my retirement, to be able to entertain myself but say, playing uh, the, p- the piano or, mm-hmm. or something. So. As a child, did you find yourself trying any... Practicing? I tried the piano, I got okay. nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried the guitar, and I could strum along, you know, chord is all. But, mm-hmm. uh, my younger brother was just a natural gift from me, semi-professional for a number of years. He doesn't really? anymore. He, but um, anyway, so... But I do, it. I, when I see it, I so admire it people yes cool so um so you said you like to sing a little bit um I, would you say like you so you keep the mic on when you're singing when you're saying mass and everything like that you like to lead the song oh uh you know that would be uncharitable <laughs> <laughs> so i usually shut it off yeah. <laughs> i always notice that the confidence in the priest whether he's you know reaching under to turn off his mic as he's as songs you know going on or if he keeps or it turns it off or not. I am a mic off priest. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to see where you're at on the yes, scale. Yes, yes, yes. Appreciate the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we would love to know how you kind of started the process of becoming a priest, like the background story of how that all came about. I remember, uh, did you, have you ever watched Saturday Night Live? Yes. Of course. Do you remember Father Guido Sarducci? Or was he before your time? Uh, he was before our time, but I believe, was that, um, uh, it wasn't he was, Dan Aykroyd, was it? No, um, 
he was the, it wasn't Dan Aykroyd, but he, he was the, um, well, maybe, it, no, I don't think it was. Okay. He was the um, so-called Vatican correspondent uh, for uh, Saturday Night Live. And uh, somebody asked him that question. He said he had three reasons for becoming a priest. Um, you could get up late in the morning. Um, he said you would get first dibs at uh, parish rummage sales <laughs> and you could usually uh, get a finagle a, a discount out of Italian restaurants and um, those are three good reasons my reasons <laughs> may or may not include some of those I don't know but uh, I do like rummage sales but it was um, the uh, role models I had I had great role models parish priests and uh, uh, priest faculty member in high school and went to St. Michael High School which is a, was a Catholic hospital it's closed um, and uh, um, so I, I just think it was the role models and I it was either ministry or medicine I wanted to they're both healing ministries and I thought it'd be neat to be uh, engaged in something that was really meaningful as opposed to working in a chewing gum factory or something that'd be a little less meaningful. So. Mm -hmm. Nice. Very cool. Um, so uh, we noticed that you had a lot of a, uh, you know, you have a, your master's in divinity and um, philosophy, obviously, and then theology as well. Um, I just wanted to know, uh, I would ask you to uh, rank or power rank the following studies. Um, philosophy, theology, biology, and geology. What, what's, what are the most important? For me, it would be theology, hmm. then philosophy, uh, then biology, and then geology. Okay. okay. I threw geology in there because I didn't know, like, a fourth one to put in there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can really get to you or something. But Okay, so that's interesting. So you would rank um, theology over philosophy. I love, this is for me, I love theology. Okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, for me... Theology has to do with the uh, with the, the meaning of life, finding the meaning of life. Uh, um, philosophy does too, but philosophy uses just reason. Theology uses uh, faith and reason. Okay. And as I said, I love theology. I always have. I didn't get to read much of it when I was uh, serving as president here. I, I very little, but before that, I had a a ball teaching theology. And, yeah. So I actually had a question about that. So, um, how long were you president for? Because I know you ended in twenty thirteen, but how long was your tenure as president? Uh, twenty two years. Twenty two years. Wow. So when you were uh, a president, um, and at the same time being a priest as well. How did um, priesthood and being the president of a university, how is balancing that, um, those two aspects of life, and how did you work, or how did you manage both of them, I'd ask? Well, um, I always tried to um, I always tried to uh, as, as president uh, act in a way that uh, 
was um, beneficial for the people that I served. In some ways, I felt that I was not just the uh, president of, of the university, but I was kind of a pastoral president. That's what that was the internal compass I had. How would a pastoral president face this decision or that decision? Okay. And um, so, and I would lead liturgies, uh, you know, the major ones, and um, I'd preside. And um, but I think the, the the notion of a pastoral president was what guided me. Okay. Cool. What, huh. I guess, um, like, what is, actually, no, what were you, you going to say? Sorry. Um, I was going to ask the transition that St. Thomas has made since your time, since, um, did you, were you a seminary, did you go to seminary school here at St. Thomas? Or? I did. Okay, so you've been here for, you have a tremendous background of how, where it's come from, um, so I was just kind of curious how you've seen St. Thomas grow. Oh, it has really grown. Of course, I've been around a long time. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, wow. I remember when it was uh, like 1,900 students instead of 10,000 plus. Um, I remember when um, there was no internet and um, you communicated through memos and you would attach uh, notes to memos uh, indicating where to route them or how to you know how to respond um, I remember when I'd be out of town in my early years as president for uh, say a meeting of the American Council on Education or something uh, and then come home five days later I have memos stacked this high, and I wouldn't have been able to work on any of them on the plane or back um, uh, or in between meetings. Um, I remember having my secretary two days before I depart Washington, for example, or three days, send me the paperwork that had accumulated uh, overnight mail and then I would try to uh, get that done on the plane on the way back. It would just make re-entries much easier. It, it, when you, <laughs> you would dictate to a secretary rather than to your smartphone. Um, we had no Minneapolis campus. We had almost uh, no graduate programs back when I, not when I was first started as president, but when I was teaching. Mm -hmm. Theology. Um, things have changed a, a lot. Uh, anyone wanting to do research, uh, all research that we did, we did in the library mm -hmm. or some library or some archive someplace. Mm -hmm. um, so it's changed a lot in the, the tools that are available to students today, the strength of the faculty today, uh, the facilities. I remember. Um, our um, technology in the classroom was called audiovisual aids, which consisted of either an overhead projector, projector that a professor would use and write on these sh film sheets that you, 
you've probably seen those in a museum someplace. <laughs> <laughs> I think we used them in uh, elementary school, elementary maybe. School, yeah, potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, something oh. like that. So not not too oh. long ago, oh, I that's, guess. That, that's good to know. And then yeah. we'd use that. Or otherwise, if you're going to show some kind of clip or film or something, you'd, uh, you'd use a, an 8 millimeter film projector. No, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's what they put for our time. Is there anything that you feel like wish that did not change? That would that anything from your time here that you were like that was kind of a bummer that that ended up having to change but it was I guess for the better um, that's a, a very good, good question um, I think as we grew um, the uh, s- sense of uh, that a small community has with everybody knowing everybody mm-hmm. um for good or for bad, you know, yep. um, diminished a bit, uh, both the community among the faculty and community among the students. Um, but I think the the advantages of growth so offset that one uh, advantage of being small mm-hmm. um, that I don't regret it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so when I was first looking to go here, um, the reason I found out about St. Thomas was uh, someone, Father Jim Barron, who went to the seminary, he was in the seminary here and ended up going to Colorado, I don't know if you knew him or not, um, but yeah, he turned me on to St. Thomas, and one of the things he told me about was the uh, annual first snowball fight between uh, Brady and Ireland, <laughs> and uh, that was taken away from us when I, I think it was my first my first year here, either four years ago or five or six years ago. I don't know when it was, they uh, put an end to it. But uh, do you, were, do you, did that ever happen uh, before we came here? Is that actually a real thing? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Can you tell I us a little, about, a little bit about that? Well, St. John Vianney Seminary was um, headquartered in Ireland. Excuse me, in uh, Brady Hall. Okay when I was serving on the staff at the uh, seminary. And uh, I remember after it snowed one night, all of a sudden hearing this riot occurring right down below my window on the, on the ground below. And it really kind of frightened me because we were being attacked, the building was. <laughs> Under siege. <laughs> Under siege we were. And screaming and telling us to come out and uh, calling us uh, uh, not terribly complimentary names because we were in the building, didn't come out. And then I heard uh, guys in the corridor, the seminarians, getting all worked up and yelling and going running down the stairs <laughs> and out the doors. And uh, they were, uh, uh, it, it was a... Uh, just an incredible snowball fight uh, <laughs> with lots and lots of noise. And uh, I thought, my God, we've got to call the police or something, because I thought it was a, more of a riot than just a... And I didn't know anything about this mm-hmm. annual snowball fight. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the president, uh, old Monsignor Murphy, come walking up the uh, sidewalk, kind of bent over with his uh, uh, briefcase in his hand, and it was about 10 o'clock at night or so, and... He lived in Ireland Hall, and so it's as if he didn't even notice this going on. He just walked. I thought, oh, he's going to get killed. He's going to get killed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but I remember that very well. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Would you say 
So I don't know when the exact split was, or actually the joining, I guess, for this today, because St. St. Catharines used to be the sister school to St. Thomas, or still is, I guess. But yeah. all the girls went there, and all the guys went to St. Yeah. Thomas. Um, was it more rowdy back then when it was only dudes here on campus? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> My okay. first year of teaching was 1977. Okay. Fall of 77. That was the first year of co-education. Oh, so it was back on in campus. So we had some women in our class, a handful. I'd say maybe 10 or so in, in my sections. Uh, sections of 30 or so, I'd have. And um, they were... Um, they were good students, and I, I think that it, clearly I could see it had a, uh, a competitive effect on the uh, gentlemen in my classroom because yeah. when women would be re- answering questions correctly and stuff, um, all of a sudden guys would sit up and. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a motivator. It was yeah, a motivator. absolutely. So it enhanced the culture then when all the. It women did. Came it enhanced the learning. I actually thought, at least in my class, it enhanced learning. Okay. I. I, I was fairly strict, but I, I th- in my tests and stuff, I would throw in questions that'd be a little bit easier. Like I'd always ask, uh, "How many commandments did God give to Moses?" Approximately, and <laughs> things like that. You know, <laughs> keep them on their toes. Keep, keep them on their toes. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's always a tough one. That always yeah. escapes everyone. I can, I can tell you how many there are off the top of my head. I probably couldn't give you all ten. Oh. Of what they actually are. Sometimes I forget a few. Well, I just asked for the number. Okay. 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 Just something um, ballpark. Um, yeah, ballpark. Yes. <laughs> um, so, um, St. Thomas has obviously changed ever since you've been here, and it's been ever so changing. Would you argue that Ireland Hall has been the only thing that hasn't changed? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, that is a good question. Uh, yes. Um, you know, I, uh, Ireland Hall also... I don't know if either one of you ever lived in Ireland. I stayed in Ireland, yes. Yeah. Yep. It has a culture of its own. Oh, yeah. Uh, it does. And, and I always thought a very, very positive culture. Yes. They, In fact, when I talked about as you get larger, you know, it's easy to lose a sense of community. Ireland uh, n- never did. I mean, Ireland was always a pretty tight-knit community, mm-hmm. and a yeah. good community, positive community. I lived in Brady freshman year, and I find myself visiting Ireland quite frequently just to be a part of that community. So I yeah. know exactly what you're ta- talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you said presidents used to live in Ireland? Because I know yes. Senator Murphy, he said he, he said he was walking to Ireland because that's where he lived? Yes. Okay. So the president's uh, suite was on the first floor, um, uh, uh, the corner facing the, the corner closest to the chapel. So the what would that be the south southeast yeah southeast corner, and the other faculty lived on the first floor, and then there were those of us who were in the various dorms too, mm-hmm. as uh, as uh, hall chaplains or whatever. oh so you had priests as like RAs would that be they'd be considered now we weren't RAs but uh, we had a priest living on just about every floor of the res halls that's cool. And I remember I lived on the first floor of Dowling. It was a men's uh, res hall. And I remember um, my mother asking me, you know, a couple months into the semester uh, how it was living in a uh, men's residence hall. And I said, well, I, 
you know, it's just Friday and Saturday nights that get to me because people had to have their stereo, their, their stereos turned off by 10 o'clock, I think it was, or 11 o'clock on weeknights. But on Saturday and Friday and Saturday night, they could have them on until 2 a.m. That was the rule. And uh, so I said, I just, uh, Friday nights and Saturday nights were tough because I just couldn't get to sleep with all that. Friday all the ruckus. <laughs> so then I told her that uh, I had mentioned that at breakfast in the priest's dining room uh, one morning, and one of the older priests, Father James Stromberg, said, Oh, he said, the answer to that is flints, flints, ear stopples. I said, What are those? He said, Those are earplugs in the Solomon. They sell them at drugstores. So I got them, and I slept like a baby after that. Uh, and I actually slept through a fire alarm. <laughs> and my mother became very concerned. I should. I made the big mistake of telling her that I even slept through a fire alarm. So I really <laughs> she got all worried. Then she got worked up about that. <laughs> Is that one of those things where, yeah, you say like, Oh, by the way, it was great, but like, oh, by the way, I slept through a fire alarm. Just like trying to sneak it on the rug just didn't really work out. Exactly. Well, yeah. you got it. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we should ask this. This. Question. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, this is our. Uh, we we throw a little. We throw random various pitches out to our um, baseball pitches. Our baseball pitches out to uh, our guests. So we have softball questions. We have curveball questions. But of course, we have. Hardball questions. The majority of the questions thus far have, have been, been softball questions. Um, sometimes curveball. Sometimes curveball. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, so this is our hardball question. So are you ready? I'm ready for it. Okay. Um, so this year um, marks the 50th anniversary of the controversial Land O'Lakes statement. Do you recall? Oh, yes. Um, so um, we actually didn't know about this. We were told this is, a, this is something that happened. Um, because you asked um, Father Jim Barron again. Yes. He wanted to ask you. Oh, oh yes. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, how do you think? Uh, so, ever since um, John Paul JP two responded to this, um, how do you think UST has held up that um, all the norms that he set out by that document? Uh, that uh, by uh, JP 2s response to the controversial oh, statement from Randall Lakes. Oh, um, that was a long. Serious, uh, challenging discussion that took place between uh, the co- Catholic College president, Catholic College and University presidents of the United States, uh, and the um, uh, the Holy See uh, regarding, first of all, the document itself, which was called Ex Corde Ecclesiae means from the heart of the church and it uh, was a description of the nature and purpose of Catholic higher education and then there was a follow-up document called uh, the uh, canonical norms that uh, had been devised um, by uh, an office in the Vatican to ensure that all Catholic colleges and universities comply. And the Holy See turned toward the United States first because there are more Catholic colleges and universities in the United States than really all the rest of the mm-hmm. world put together. Um, 
as presidents of Catholic colleges and universities, we all uh, affirmed the Lando Lake principles. Um, Father Theodore Hasberg and others told, met there, and they asserted that Catholic universities, in order to be a, a university in the true sense of the word, had to have academic freedom and uh, institutional autonomy. Yeah. So the what exactly was the statement that caused all all of this? Uh, that was that statement. Uh, it's called the Lando Lake Statement, mm-hmm. uh, and it was an assertion of the two absolute uh, requirements for uh, a university, and that is academic freedom on the part of the faculty and institutional autonomy, um, because academic freedom needs institutional autonomy so that faculty aren't controlled by the prevailing political party or by benefactors or by okay. uh, other outside forces. They have to be free to pursue the results of their research, the truth, the naked truth, and, and not some kind of uh, doctorate truth. Okay. Oh, cool. And, then... uh, and so the... When uh, when John Henry Cardinal Newman, who founded uh, a Catholic university in Ireland at the end of the last century, uh, wrote uh, the idea of a university and talked about how faith and reason weren't didn't contradict each other, weren't uh, opposed to each other, but complemented each other. Uh, George Bernard Shaw said, uh, with a certain amount of cynicism, that he said, a Catholic university? That's a contradiction in terms. And uh, I think it was Father Theodore Hesburgh at the University of Notre Dame who said a Catholic university is not a contradiction in terms, it's a delicate balance. And that's what uh, the uh, college, university presidents, and the Holy See were trying to find that delicate balance that would allow us to have credibility in both spheres. Okay. Higher, you know, the, the sphere of higher education in the United States and uh, with the Catholic community. That's sweet. So I know we asked, or President Sullivan brought up what she was working on this summer, which was looking at the words Catholic University and Catholic as the modifier and university as the noun. And then some people look at it the other way. Mm-hmm. And then how she's looking at it as the big picture of Catholic University and like what that means for this school. Yeah. So I feel like she's on the right track with this statement coming off and then trying to set out um, like having that as the norm and then setting that forward through the university. Yeah, she uh, she gave a wonderful um, convocation speech uh, at the beginning of this semester. Oh, yeah, it was at, uh, at Notre Dame, right? Uh, and she, she, from Notre Dame, she was attending the conference there. She right. was part of the 50-year 
follow-up of the Land O'Lakes statement. Okay. Okay, so that's what it was about. Yeah. And um, that was a... uh, Land O'Lakes in 1966 was a... Or 67, I think it might have been. Was the... um, was a landmark moment in the history of Catholic higher education in the United States. Landmark moment. And because of that, Catholic colleges and universities throughout the United States have um, thrived, are thriving, and are respected uh, both in uh, both in by the American Council on Education and all their members. uh, if it hadn't been for that, we would have been seen as Bible schools and state mm-hmm. universities. Wow, that was a big Bible time. colleges. You know. Yeah. Um, so, kind of carrying on with President Sullivan and your role, um, what is your role exactly nowadays as being an ex-president? Um, can you define in kind of brief terms what would you consider? Sure. Yeah. It's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we can tell by your view here. And, uh, you're the overseer of the whole campus. Oh, uh, nice view of Minneapolis. Yes, I uh, have no authority. I'm not running the place anymore. Uh, okay. Okay. I passed the torch uh, on June thirtieth, uh, or on July first. I guess was uh, President Sullivan's first day, and um, so. Uh, but I'm still involved. Uh, board of trustees was kind enough to give me a, a title president emeritus so uh, and that means I try to be helpful ways that I can I'm still uh, still uh, engaged here so um, for the first uh, couple of years it was helping with the transition uh, uh, helping with the introduction of President Sullivan to the St. Thomas Community, um, to a benefactor of their alumni, um, providing consulting uh, for her and some of her um, uh, senior administrators. Uh, but she's in her fifth year now, so the consulting part isn't... Uh, I mean, she really... She's got a good grasp. Oh, she's got a Firm good group. grasp of what's going on. She mm-hmm. has had for several years now. Nice. And she, she, she was a quick learner. Uh, and she's doing, by the way, uh, an outstanding job. We are very, uh, very fortunate to have landed her here at St. Thomas. We are also very fortunate to have had her on the podcast now twice. Yeah. She's, oh. she's extended her hand to allow us to, to come to her office twice. So it's oh. been two really cool experiences to get to know her. Um, and ask her a ton of questions. Yeah, she's embraced our comedy portion of the back pocket <laughs> full heartedly, which has been really cool. And yeah. my mom was saying how like I can't believe she is. Like, she's hanging out. With she's us. hanging out. With <laughs> <laughs> well, she's got to be even more shocked now that we're hanging out at the the presidential suite of the library. Yeah. So that'll be sweet. Uh, um, so. President Sullivan actually talked about her um, quote. She doesn't like to call the people she uh, work, who work for her. She likes to call it her team. Um, so do you, are you on her team? Are you part of her, a lot of her meetings and things that go on um, with what she does? You know, I, I report to her, but uh, I'm not part of her um, 
her regular staff meetings with them because I'm, you know, semi-retired. Okay. So, uh, uh, but uh, I still meet with her uh, on a regular basis. Up till now, we've met once a month over lunch, but uh, uh, this is her fifth year, and uh, um, I think I can be more helpful just as a goodwill ambassador for the University of St. Thomas in different spheres and stuff, and... and um, my consulting uh, contribution, I think, has been made. And so, and then I started a little foundation uh, when I retired called Friends of East Africa. And uh, so I spend a good deal of my time on that. Okay. On that. And that's a great transition because that was our next question. Oh, um, We do our research here on the back pocket. <laughs> um, and we were just kind of curious how you got involved with that. How, how did that start? With the Hope Medical Clinics in Africa. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yes, I uh, I went to Uganda the first time in uh, 2003 for a meeting of the International Federation of Catholic uh, Universities, and someone had given me a check to provide a full-ride scholarship for a student uh, just before I left, and I thought, well, I'm never going to... I'm only going to be there five days. I'm going to be in meetings day and night. And um, it was on the, I think it was the second to the last day, that one of the faculty members of a of the Catholic university there in Uganda asked me if there would be any possibility of a scholarship for some student. And that, I, I thought, oh my God, this is like it was made in heaven. Uh, and that student was the first olive out of the jar. And since then we've had about 45 Ugandan students, I think, and wow. some from the, some of the neighboring countries like Tanzania and Kenya and Burundi and Rwanda and um, South Sudan. And now, from, but anyway, uh, but uh, and so I've come back every year. Uh, so I'm going back in a couple of weeks. It'll be my 15th uh, trip. We started a couple clinics with uh, Tommies, Ugandan Tommies. These are graduates of St. Thomas. No, why? Uh, back about, oh, maybe 10 years ago or so. Uh, it was just me and uh, Charles Lugemwa, who graduated from here with a master's in software engineer, engineering. And um, eventually we, we saw that there was such little... Um, there were so little, so few um, medical resources available for uh, children and um, uh, pregnant women, and the uh, infant and uh, maternal mortality rates were so high that what we should really do is close the clinics and start a um, maternal and pediatric hospital. So that's what we did. Nice. So you were able to provide a lot of help to a lot of people then, huh? And uh, now, and then we hired another Tommy as the CEO. Wow! And uh, of the hospital, it opened uh, March twenty first, two thousand thirteen. Wow! And it's become a comprehensive general hospital uh, because you can't turn someone away. For example, uh, a football player who's broken his leg or something. You know? <laughs> so, but its its specialty is uh, maternal and pediatric, but it's a general hospital and surgery professors from the University of Minnesota come and use our operating rooms and um, um, 
It's, uh, it's, it's been wonderful. Last year was, it's what, third year of existence, and it uh, uh, served, uh, I think it was uh, 16,000 patients. So it's, and we've got a third Tommy who's there now, Uganda Tommy. He just got his MD uh, here in, um, in, in Grenada. By here, I mean in this hemisphere. Okay. And so he's in residence there now. That's cool. So, so you have um, a clinic in Uganda. Do you have one? Are there? We don't have a, any clinics anymore. We just Hope Medical Clinics oh. is the nonprofit organization right. in Uganda that we started. Okay. And that whole that owns the hospital. Okay. Gotcha. So the nonprofit owns the hospital called okay. Ruth Gaylord nice. Hospital. Cool. And I started Friends of East Africa here, foundation here, to receive gifts that people would want to make to the hospital because they can't give a gift to Hope Medical Clinics Uganda and then take a deduction on their uh, income tax here in the United States. They have to give it to a U.S. charity. And then we can transfer the funds to Hope Medical Clinics Uganda and then it provides... uh, the hospital, Professor John Abraham from uh, Engineering. Over yeah, that's there. how I found out about it. Oh, really? Yeah, from him. He told me about this. Stuff. He's going in January again. He's been there well, a couple times. Yeah, him yeah. and Brian Pleur. Brian Pleur. Yeah, that's how I also heard about you. Oh, solar pasteurizing. Absolutely. They're installing solar solar pa- uh, pasteurizers. So that's cool. So is that um, the main focus of your work over there in Africa right now? Yes, it's okay. the uh, almost ex- it's exclusively okay. growing the Ruth Gaylord Hospital. Yes, so. that's awesome. So, we, so we also do, um, like Andrew said, uh, we do a lot of research um, on our podcast, and uh, we saw they have um, a Master of Divinity, and we didn't know what that meant, so we wanted to know what is a master. What is what does it mean to have a Master of Divinity? Oh, that's an easy question for me to answer because. Uh, I'm your source for all questions theological. Remember, okay. I, I love theology. So, uh, it is as uh, opposed to a master's of art, a master of arts degree in theology, which would be the academic degree. A master's of divinity is the professional degree. Ooh. Whereas the um, the MA would uh, be more theoretical. The uh, MDiv is more practical. And the MDiv is the standard uh, preparation today for um, clergy, Catholic, and others. Okay, Uh, cool. As long as we're going into teaching, however, uh, the MA would be the degree that they would take. Okay, that's awesome. Um, so we know uh, you're, are you officially retired? I know you mentioned you were a semi-retired. What a... Um, what is your current retirement status? Oh, I, I'm uh, completely retired from the presidency, okay. but I'm still working full time for St. Thomas. Okay. And um, so between St. Thomas and the uh, foundation, which is my hobby, I, uh, I mean, which is not my hobby, but it's my. It's a pretty big hobby if it is. It's my after hours work. Uh, okay. Um, I, I'm keeping busy and and staying in good health. So. Nice. Um, so now that, uh, well, I guess you're not officially retired yet, but you're 
you're close, I guess. Um, so we have a when few. You when you do. When you do. Yeah, when we're not you close. Yeah. Oh, I might be. Who knows? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I might be close to death, you know. <laughs> no worries. But, you know, when you do, uh, you know, uh, the guys in the back pocket are here for you. So uh, we wanted to give you, uh, you know, a few suggestions um, of what you could do when you retire. Oh. Um, just so, you know, it eases the transition a little bit. Um, so uh, we, we'll, we'll just kind of rattle them off to you. And uh, if any, any of them stick out to you, just let us know. Oh, okay. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, the first one would be uh, to start a podcast. Oh, not a bad idea. Um, my, I would suggest maybe bringing back the snowball fight and having you be the lead official of the uh, to keep everything organized because you have the experience of what the snowball fights look like um, and the upper quad look like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, maybe gadget. I think uh, the easy out for people going against the. The snowball fights is uh, there might be like rocks or debris in the snowballs, so maybe we just get uh, pre-made snowballs that we can throw at each other that don't that don't have pre-made rocks in them. Okay. Some some to think about, or just better insurance. Better insurance, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that works as well. Um, uh, another one. Uh, which do you still say mass on Sundays, or what's your occasionally? But I, um, but I like to attend and let others do the work now. Okay. Cool. But I occasionally, I say generally when I say mass, it's for the at, at uh, President Sullivan's request, like for the Board of Trustees, okay. or cool. some event on campus. I do that uh, fairly. Okay. Do you think uh, you could work us the back pocket podcast and know one of your homilies uh, in in the near future? Oh, I'd be delighted to. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I always like to see um, how priests can spin, you know, a podcast into a into a. I think that'd be kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess these like, are like legislation and sausage. You know, you, you shouldn't watch how they're made. Uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. I like that. Um, another thing you could do uh, now that you're not seeing or saying mass every Sunday, um, you can go ahead and buy an NFL Sunday ticket. Are you a big sports fan? I guess I never asked before. You know, I um, I'm a fair weather fan. Ooh. You never want to admit to that, usually. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, you know, I'm a priest, and I'm, I preach confession, so I'll have to confess that if they're winning, I'm with them, and I'm interested, and I'm at, but if they're not, my life goes on. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> so you're a big St. Thomas football fan? Oh, uh, or St. Thomas, I am. I know we're talking like yeah. professional sports. Oh, yeah, so you're not tied to any specific professional team? Right now, you don't you don't like. Oh yeah, I I I, I like the Vikings. Okay, okay. You probably um, both of you would have different loyalties, I suspect, but I yes. don't want to embarrass you on your own show. <laughs> we appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, another suggestion, since you mentioned this in the beginning of our show, uh, maybe start a band and travel the world. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're talking to the wrong brother in my family. <laughs> That would be Dave Deese. Okay. <laughs> Not Dennis. Believe me. Trust me on this one. Well, you could be like, I mean, uh, have, have there ever been, what were you going to say? I, I was going to say, the world always needs more cowbell. So. You can, I could play cowbell. You could, post, yeah. you could play yeah. cowbell. Maybe the triangle. The triangle, I could do that too. Mm-hmm. Or the, um, what do you call it? The gazoo. The, the gazoo. Or the recorder. Everyone learned how to play the recorder in like fourth grade, so. That was a new thing. I don't know if you learned the recorder when you were young, but I know I did. Oh, okay, that yeah. came after my. Time. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, you could you could eat. I mean, 
I, I feel like if you went to Africa to play, that they'd love that too. So, yes, something to think about. They could teach you some good stuff too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they could really teach us some good stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's. Do you have any more advice? Um, I know you said you're not a huge sports. Um, fanatic. However, you could become more of a sports fanatic by starting your own youth league sports team, whether it be soccer or basketball. Um, and then you could really rally behind that that team. And yeah. There, that's where your yeah, passion is. Yeah, yeah, then that's your passion. So yes. I actually have a really good idea now. Um, start your youth league sports team in, or sports organization, actually, in Africa. And then connect it to your hospital. So the, there's your oh. insurance policy right there. Yeah, they get, they get hurt. They just go to your hospital. Yeah. <laughs> maybe just choose really like rugby. They, everyone loves rugby there. Oh, they love rugby in yep. Uganda. Um, yes. Everyone gets hurt in rugby too. Yeah, um, so that helps. And then maybe <laughs> soccer too. You can do that soccer. would be business for the hospital. Then. Yeah. Well, I mean, we yeah we're trying to help you out because the business would is always obviously the great part, and for the kids is a great PR move as well. Yeah, so, we could broadcast it. Yeah, because we have the. Uh, we have the, the voices for broadcasting. Yeah. We wouldn't say the faces for yeah. broadcasting. So, now, are we serious here? Yeah, we can definitely oh, start yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, we can hmm. do that. that. That's interesting. Yeah, it, it just came have, right now. It's like yeah, we should start a sports league. That's perfect. You know, we have 20, uh, 22, 23 maybe. Uh, Tommy's uh, in Uganda now. Okay, the the, the Saint the Ugandan. Uh, uh, alumni club is about 22, 23. And then if you bring in the ones that are living in the neighboring countries, which would be like Wisconsin and the Dakotas, which would be Tanzania and Burundi, Rwanda, and, uh, and South Sudan, uh, it would go up to, we'd probably have 35, 40 over there. Wow. 35, maybe. Okay. That's awesome. So That's great. We could... Um, they could all help with the promotion of the youth league. Hmm. Uh, I like the idea of rugby because I, 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 I know nothing about it. So it would be, it'd be the fun of learning new rules. And mm-hmm. uh, some of our Ugandan students who have come here have uh, played rugby uh, for their um, in their college. Some of the ones that came from graduate school. In fact, I know exactly who the guy we could uh, get to be the coach, and that would be Alex Atwini. Mm. He um, now lectures at the um, Catholic University in Uganda and Masaka, and he was captain of uh, his college's uh, rugby team, and he got his MBA here from St. Thomas. Nice. And so that is the person who will do it. Okay. You guys are geniuses. Hey. <laughs> we, thanks <laughs> we'll take that compliment yeah. um, so I guess uh, now that we um, gave you some advice do you have any advice for us or um, our listeners college students St. Thomas people um, do you have any advice for them any advice for uh, just just life advice or anything you'd like to say oh be grateful gratitude heals all ills I'm a grateful person and I'm a happy person. Gratitude makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have to open our eyes and see our blessings. And St. Thomas is a great blessing in my life, and I know it is today and yours uh, as well. So That's awesome. That's fantastic. And then uh, should we finish up with our two questions? Or uh, We have practice coming up here relatively soon. 
You can probably squeeze it in. Okay. All right. Let's finish it up. Um, so we finish with two questions for all our guests. And our first is a story of a famous person you met. And our second is what did you learn today? So we'll start with um, a story of a famous person that you've met. Uh, you know, I met um, uh, Pope Benedict the sixteenth uh, at the uh, Vatican's uh, mission to the United Nations in New York. A uh, little reception. Uh, by little, I mean it was like maybe a hundred people there. So, huh. uh, but we all got to line up, and I gave him a picture of a framed picture of him receiving an honorary degree from the University of St. Thomas here as a younger man. Wait, and Pope Benedict the sixteenth? Yeah, he's Saint a Tommy. Tommy. What? I didn't know that. Yes, I you know, this podcast, I'm announcing it now on this podcast. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> you all know that the the former the Pope Emeritus or former Pope is a Tommy, yes, he gave a lecture here in the late 70s and uh, or early 80s as Cardinal Ratzinger and received an honorary degree. And the picture shows him standing in his academic gown with his mortarboard on and the tassel and holding his, mm-hmm. smiling, holding his uh, sheepskin for the camera to get a good picture. Yeah. And when I showed that to him, he broke out laughing, and because he looked so much younger. <laughs> sure. But then he he said that was back in nineteen seventy eight. He said, I, I think he said that, uh, or whatever the year was. Well, he was a year off, so I corrected him, and I said, well, actually, you only it was nineteen whatever it was. And then I came back to campus. I told that story to Father John Malone. I don't know if you either, either of you know Father John. Maybe a future guest on the show. It would make an excellent guest. He said, you what? You corrected the Pope? He said, you should have said, well, actually, uh, Your Holiness, yeah, that's right. And now when I get back to the university, we'll correct our records immediately to show that it was actually in 19... <laughs> <laughs> no way. That's awesome. Oh, awesome. Well, that's great. Have you, um, just, I, you don't have to tell a story about it, but have you met uh, Pope Francis? No, I haven't. Okay. I'd love to. Yeah. Seems like a good guy. Yeah. I've seen him say Mass once, but that was better. Oh, you did? Yeah, I went to, I went, actually did a St. Thomas uh, abroad trip during J term, and I got to go see him, so that was cool. Well, next time you see him, talk him into coming and giving a lecture at St. Thomas, and we'll make him an honorary Tommy. Maybe we get him on the podcast. That's something I can you say. Get him on the podcast. <laughs> You can take this device to uh, security. airport security. Yeah, yes. I think that's one of its benefits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, and then uh, finishing up uh, with our show, uh, what did you learn from the time you woke up today till the time we're doing our interview now? I learned what it means to give an interview for a podcast. This was my very first one, and it's really a cool experience. I like that. Awesome. You guys have a cool podcast. I mean, it's really... It's really neat. I like it. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. that. And we appreciate the time that you've given us today. I know you're a busy man. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So that was our interview with Father Deese. Um, we apologize for a few things. Uh, the bell in the background. 
you know, that's just that's that's gonna happen. That's the reality. It's just the reality when, when, when you have a, yeah, when you have a penthouse suite right next to the big bell that you know rings every fifteen minutes across the entire St. Thomas campus that you can hear mm-hmm. uh, for miles and miles. Uh, that's just the reality. You're gonna hear it. So uh, we apologize for that. Yep. Um, we hope that you're able to hear Father Dees, who's kind of a little. He spoke subtly, yes. but he had he spoke subtly but very wise. Correct. So you guys, I hope you guys just kept your eyes closed and mm-hmm. listened to the entire thing. Um, yeah, but great guy. I mean, I think we might uh, be able to start a rugby rugby league in uh, Uganda. So that'd be cool. Courtesy of the back pocket. He was into it. I yeah, felt like he, he was, was super into it. Yep. Think that, that was something we kind of just thought up on the spot too. That wasn't like a something we were like, oh, we got to plug our rugby league. There was minimal to zero research on that one. Yeah, I think you had a line in there. That sparked that from a separate, like that train of thought just took us there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then how about the uh, Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, St. Thomas grad? You kidding me? And uh, yeah, so was, we learned a lot, and I hope you guys learned a lot too. So uh, why not transition to what did we learn at, in a feel-good story, how yeah. we always finish the podcast. Mm-hmm. So outside of the Father Dee's um, podcast interview, I was able to learn a lot more. Mm. Throughout my uh, my week, wow. just well, didn't stop there. Huh? It did not stop there. Wow, I just kept on pouring in. Um, however, one thing I did learn more significantly than others mm. um, was yesterday morning. The uh, I went golfing with my older brother Patrick, and the fall rates are an absolute steal. Okay, so what do we? Where did you golf first of all? Uh, just Phelan Park, which is just Phelan Park. <clears throat> is it? It's pretty nice. Set the scene for us. It's a eighteen hole golf course. Um, is it green? It's green. For, so you, how, how how fast were the greens? They were actually way faster than the putting green, the practice okay. green. Ooh. So it was like totally threw me from a loop because I had a great practice round. You I played like, solid though? I played solid. I struck the ball so well. Nice. I was actually Love that. got my juices flowing. Excellent. So fall rate's pretty good. Yes. Was it like half price of what you were expecting? Or what you... It's just a steal. Okay. Just get, Absolute go to, steal. Yeah, go golfing. Go golfing. Try to get out there at least two more times before the snow hits. Boom. All right. All right, Declan. So help me out here. What else did we learn? Um, so I learned, uh, you know, something that you're probably not going to understand, but I oh, learned how... Don't, air- don't sell our marketing interns marketing interns short, please. Okay. You're right. They're smart. Okay. All right, guys. Our employees. They're, yeah. You, got, you guys will understand. Yeah. Um, so airflow. Um, so there's two types of airflow, turbulent and laminar. Laminar is very consistent, and it's parallel. All the particles are moving parallel to each other. Mm-hmm. It's like a nice breeze on the ocean and everything, just kind of coming through your hair, and it's just, like, super calm and everything. And then turbulent airflow, which is like when you're in the plane and the captain or whatever it says over the intercom, like, we got some turbulent turbulence coming in here, which is not directly related, but just imagine, like, turbulent airflow is, like, super wild. So... Turns out, turbulent airflow um, transfers heat much faster than laminar airflow, which makes sense because it's a little more wild, a little more fast, uh, which is, as a heat transfer guy, that's what you want. Mm-hmm. So uh, I learned that to manipulate turbulent airflow, you install a tripwire, which a tripwire can be very, very small, and it's actually a biological advantage. So if you remember um, the 2012 London Olympics, where they were wearing those super wild speed suits, do you remember those? Yes. And they were like super, they got outlawed basically after that. Mm-hmm. The reason they were outlawed is because they had trip wires all over their whole body. So when the water was flowing past them, um, it would it would basically cause turbulent turbulence and then ha- um, propel them to go faster pretty much. So that's what I learned. Trip gotcha. wires are uh, pretty much a dope thing to have. And they're everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. 
makes you think. Well, thank you, Declan, for always informing our listeners and making them more of a whole person. Sure. That's right. Always. Um, so now we finish it off with a feel-good story. Positive note, positive guys. Um, this past Thursday, our dear friend and reoccurring, um, I wouldn't call, he wasn't, he's, he's not a guest, but a reoccurring person that we talk about. He's just a reoccurring feel-good story because yeah. this guy's life is, uh, he just has an absolute blast. So I think uh, our uh, marketing interns that listen to this show the most um, connect with Brian Tierney the most mm-hmm. because Brian Tierney is brought up more on this show as a feel-good story than probably anybody else. And uh, so uh, it was a somber exit for Brian uh, this past Thursday. Um, so Brian has been working tirelessly um, for the past three years, um, working at Tiffany's Sports Lounge as a bar, as a, uh, well, he was originally a bar back, and he eventually worked his way up to becoming a bouncer. And, you know, Brian put in a lot of work for uh, Tiffany's Sports Lounge and had to measle around with freshmen for years and years. And uh, this past Thursday, uh, Brian announced that it was his last Thursday ever working at Tiffany's. And uh, this is connected, obviously, with because he's joined in the Navy, so Brian can no longer work as a bouncer. Um, and so we threw a retirement party for Brian. And uh, being 21-year-olds, um, it was definitely the first and last retirement party we'll be throwing for probably quite some time. Um, so it was an awesome time, and it was just fantastic. You were there, right, Andrew? I was there. BT just had the smile of all smiles on his face. Yeah. He... Uh, it made me happy, and I hope this story makes you guys equally as happy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we love you, Brian. Thank you for your service again. Um, and we just hope everyone else has a great day. We love you, Brian, and we love you, marketing interns. Take care. Take care.